What is the word, America? It's your boy, Sherman Obed, back here once again, bringing you another fabulous episode here on What's the Word Entertainment. Glad to be back in action with you, sir. How's it goes, Obed? Fantastic. Just like DJ Khaled, I got the keys, the keys, the keys. <laughs> I feel you, man. Dude, glad to be back here. Um, for the people listening, hope you're enjoying us so far. Hope you're doing well in this uh, situation we got going around the world in this quarantine. Uh, hope everybody's staying safe and doing what they can. And, um, well, let's get right into it. we got a plethora of sports here and news to talk about. Um, things, things that have been happening, even though the world is kind of on pause as of late, uh, things are still happening around the sports and entertainment world. Um, we're finally starting to get into some action here. UFC has been brought back a little bit into somewhat capacity, limited or without fans. You notice they've had a couple UFC nights uh, within the past couple of weeks. So that's, that's cool. Um, you know, talking about other sports in general, you know, um, we're looking to get into maybe the Major League Baseball here coming up soon. They're thinking about shortening the season a bit. I don't know if you saw this article that recently came out there. They're thinking about shortening it to actually an 82-game season um, and a universal DH, which I think is actually pretty interesting. First of all, I don't know why they don't have a universal DH in the first place, but that, that's, that's a matter for a different time. But an 82-game season, which I think is surely plenty, the fact that they have 162 games in the first place to me is absolutely ridiculous. Fact. I don't think you need to play someone in your division 19 times a year. Why can't you play them 15 times a year? You know what I mean? Just there's, yeah. there's, They can scale back the Major League Baseball season even before this whole quarantine thing happened um, with, with the coronavirus. So I really wanted to get your thoughts on really initially, you know, the thought around sh this shortening the baseball season and maybe perhaps shortening seasons of other sports. So I'll say that, uh, you know, also to the, the point of teams are, excuse me, sports opening back up. The Bundesliga has opened up. Uh, so international rules football is back on. They just started again yesterday. Um, no fans in the stands, no celebrations with touching people, you know, mask on as soon as they come off. Uh, you know, you got to think about they're all touching the same ball. People are marking up and touching each other, whatever, what have you, they're taking that risk. Um, but, you know, I think I completely agree with you. I, I think they should have uh, chopped down the season. If you think baseball is not exciting, cut the season in half and let's see how exciting it is. Let's be honest here. Half of the baseball season does not matter until you get to the all-star game where the all-star game actually had like some impact on where they played, who, who's the home team uh, for the world series. I think they tried that out one time. Um, I, I would, I think it's just something that needs to happen. My concern is how, what's the, the, uh, level of fairness when since 1973, uh, the American league has had, um, a designated hitter and the national league is not. So if you play in the NL, you have to have a pitcher that hits. What if a pitcher that bats, what if your pitcher is one of your better batters, right? What if that's your better hitters and now you, you know, substitute them, or maybe they just now can that they have that that person is highly paid to like, well, I don't want to hit anymore, you know, and you just lost a great bat. Can I ask a quick question? When did pitchers yeah. begin to forget learning how to hit? They hit their entire lives in Little League, in high school, and even in college. Then all of a sudden, they just forgot how to hit a ball, and they can't even barely bunt. I just yeah. think it's ridiculous. But excuse me, go ahead, please. No, no you, you have a good point. I mean, but again, it's like, hey, specialization, right? Once I get into a job and I'm highly paid for it, I want to focus on those things that I'm good at. Maybe I forget some of the things that I've done before. Um, and honestly, like I said, maybe sometimes you just don't like doing that. They had to hit because it was a part of the job. As a pitcher, the, the two people that work the most in baseball are the pitcher and the catcher, right? So if you can take one more thing off my plate, I'll absolutely allow you to take one more thing off my plate. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I would agree with you. I think this is, it's a, probably a strong move that they need to think about going into the future with having a designated hitter for both leagues and then, uh, shortening the season. Um, but again, if they want to reopen and do this gradual increase that a lot of other countries have shown, I think that's the, that, that's the reason why we don't have sports in America right now is the biggest nation is the, the strongest nation, whatever, what have you, if you believe that, um, the fact that we can't get leadership at the top that allows us to be able to open up and slowly get our doors open like some of these other countries have done, um, that, that's the problem. Yeah, you know, it, I guess we can get into it like a whole degree, you know, what in a matter is like a political situation, as you said, around the around the course of the world, you know, things like that. But um, I just think it's interesting that, you know, they're trying to actually develop and get back to some sort of sense of normalcy, whatever that may potentially look like, you know, where that's waiting to see. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to affect other 
other campaigns, you know, like, like football, for instance, will we have football on time this year? Or even will we have football at all this year? Now they're, they're planning it out. And if so, like we said, we talked about a couple of weeks before we had the, we had the NFL draft, of course, um, you know, things are still happening. The schedule recently came out. They're looking to start on schedule on, on time this year in September, as always, we'll get into the schedule here in a, in a couple minutes, but some, uh, just some, just some different news around the league. It came out um, quickly. We noticed that uh, former uh, Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton has signed a backup role with the with the Dallas Cowboys, um, which is which is quite interesting. You know, for being the Bengals starter for what eight or nine years now, and now he's going on a one year deal to the Cowboys to be Dak Prescott's backup, who still has yet to get his deal. Um, yeah. You know, I think this is what a ten million dollar deal uh, with, or excuse me, up to seven million a dollar deal, excuse me, on the one year time for Andy Dalton. But um, will he, could he be potentially a starter in Dallas or starter ever again, anywhere else? That's what my main question was for you. All these guys that are taking backup deals will probably never be starters again with the, uh, the objection of Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is being groomed to be the, the new starter for the saints. That, that is undeniable to me. Um, but no, these guys aren't Cam Newton. Like you, you're barely a good passer barely and you can't take any more hits on your surgically reconstructed surgically fixed shoulder uh as a runner so the dead whatever team you're going to if you start saying oh well, i want to run the ball that's a death knell so no he's not a good investment um andy dalton and for everybody out there saying that this gives the, the cowboys leverage over dak prescott it does not give the cowboys leverage over dak prescott uh andy dalton is a backup he gets the opportunity to work with mike mccarthy who you know for good or for bad, had something to do with the success of Aaron Rodgers, whether that's just Aaron being great and taking McCarthy along with him. He's an offensive-minded guy. I think that's a good move for Andy Dalton. Um, but he's not, he's just a backup. He'll never start again. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. I think you mentioned about Cam Newton. I'm very surprised he hasn't gotten a deal yet. Yes, he has banged up shoulder. He's got even banged up feet and ankle, foot, ankles, things like things of that nature. So he's just had so much, so many injuries throughout his career with the, with the Carolina Panthers, you know, I'm, but I really expected Cam to have a deal by now. Um, we'll see if he's even in, you know, even in the league, I guess, you know, once the season rolls around, if it does. Um, I would say look for the Jaguars. I think he could do, he could end up at the Jaguars. Okay. All right. Yeah, we were actually speaking. Well, speaking of the Jaguars, they're they actually declined the fifth-year option on running back Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, there was thinking some potential thoughts of maybe where he could go, maybe Tampa Bay. But you know, I think you know, I think you and I were talking offline. They've got a couple of running backs there in Jones and Barber. So, if he at all, if he does not re-sign a long long-term deal with Jacksonville, where could he end up? And or does he get traded this year, or maybe just signs in free agency with somebody else next year? So, you know, teams are, are uh, this is the reason Le'Veon Bell sat out his last season with the Steelers because the teams have gotten to a point where they have a productive running back. And yes, you can say Leonard Fournette was injured, but if you look at his stats over the years, he was healthy. He's a very productive running back in the catching, in the uh, pass game and on the ground. So, you know, it's, it's they're probably going to try to run him into the ground. You know, if they can't find a suitable uh, uh, trade partner with him, they're probably just going to let him walk. You know, there's not going to cost them anything uh, as far as guaranteed money to let him leave. Um, but and it's unfortunate because I think he could be very well, but, you know, just dumb head stuff off the field, on the field, leaving the, leaving the bench to go join a fight against the Bills. Like, it's just, just ridiculousness. Yeah, I mean, that, that was obviously out of, out of control, of course. We saw that yeah. what happened there. Um, and other, uh, other small, similar, similar. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't answer your question. I think he could end up with the Chargers. I think if there's a team that needs him, uh, sorry, uh, if there's a team that could probably use him, probably mm -hmm. the Chargers because I love Austin Eckler. He's fantastic. But I don't think he's going to be able to uh, take the punishment that's going to be necessary with your signal caller being Tyra Taylor or Justin Herbert. You know, it's so funny. I was thinking the same thing. When, es when Eckler signed that long-term deal, obviously, which means they were moving on from Melvin Gordon, um, I was thinking, is he a premier feature back, or, you know, three, three, down, three down back? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he's great catching balls out of the backfield, obviously. You know, and he can, you know, he can, he can dink and dunk. It kind of reminds me of a Darren Sproles type of player. Even maybe yeah. a little bit better in the initial, you know, run game up front. But is he that yeah. lead front back like – Melvin Gordon was like a Leonard Fournette is I'm, I don't think he is to me yeah. so that's not a bad spot where he can end up um another another news about uh fifth year options the Bears declined their fifth year option on your boy Mitchell Trubisky Obed um <laughs> I know we've talked about him before but yeah. man is this really just kind of the end of the road kind of the start the start of excuse me, the start of the end of the road for for Trubisky in Chicago because they've got Nick Foles as we know well I'm wondering if he was going to be the future starter and what happens to Mitchell 
So Nick Foles, I, I use the term future starter loosely. He'll be the starter if Trubisky tanks again. The Bears hid Trubisky with an injury designation that even Mitch had trouble passing off in the media in very uncomfortable interview sessions. Uh, I, Foles, to his credit, or excuse me, to hopefully his memory, played in the same system that, uh, that uh, uh, Nagy, in, uh, excuse me, Nagy coordinates because it is the Pedersen, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Andy Reid system, right? He, he's from the same, the cut from the same cloth. Now, hopefully that allows them to continue being a, a successful team because at the end of the day, Mr. Bissey just couldn't make the throws. If Nick Foles can come out here and make the throws to a guy like Allen Robinson, who's finally healthy again and coming into his own, uh, being able to play with a guy like David Montgomery, who's fantastic, if they can help keep him up right on that offensive line, I think it allows them to say, hey, if Trubisky starts to stink, which we know Trubisky, it, guys, I tell you, if somebody does something consistently enough, you have to understand it. And this is something for people who keep getting in bad relationships. If the person you date is shitty, you need to thump them. If your quarterback keeps sucking when you give him all these tools and weapons, you need to dump him. Uh, so, you know, this, this at least allows them to, like, say goodbye, which they're already starting to do because they didn't pick up a fifth-year option. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're kind of right. Yeah, if, you're, if your guy's not performing, get rid of him, you know. Um, if he's yeah. not doing what he's supposed to do, then why keep him around, you know, which is kind of weird. But we'll see what happens in Chicago. I mean, another quarterback news, I, th I thought it was interesting. As we, we talked about this a few weeks before, after the draft, the Packers drafting the, Q the QB love out of Utah State. Aaron Rodgers had some initial reaction to this. Um, uh, he, was, he was quoted as saying, I think it was more the surprise of the pick based on my own feelings of wanting to play into my 40s and really the realization that it does change the controllables a little bit, end quote. So, you know, and really just saying, you know, that he may not end his career in Green Bay. And I think, it I believe it was you, you or maybe it was our guest, Chris, who was one a couple of weeks ago saying that we didn't think Rodgers would be around, you know, uh, uh, at the end of his career, you know. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's fine. I find it hard to believe that we all know this bad man, you know, and that they could really move on from him. It's similar, I guess, to like what Favre was when they drafted Aaron. Aaron sat behind Favre for what, three and a half seasons. So it's yeah. kind of the same deal. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers, obviously, is still has plenty of time left. He's what, he's 36 years old. So yeah. he's got at least, I think, three solid, solid good years ahead of him. Could he play into his 40s like Brady does? and possibly um quickly your thoughts on Rodgers you know and potentially one day leaving Green Bay he's absolutely leaving Green Bay I made the point uh, Chris did say that he didn't think Aaron Rodgers would be there for the entirety of his career uh and for me I I echoed those sentiments I, I said there's no way that in three years or excuse me at the end of this contract they're going to re-sign a 37 38 year old Aaron Rodgers to a three-year 110 million dollar deal it's not happening in an offense that he does not look comfortable in that is more designed for an RPO quarterback like Jordan Love. Um, to be clear, as a person who watched Tom Brady's entire career in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers is the fake 12. Tom Brady is the real 12. I know people like Aaron Rodgers is this bad man with <laughs> one Super Bowl and can't elevate other players around him. He just stops throwing to guys that Tom Brady would win Super Bowls with. Um, so, you know, unless Aaron Rodgers before he turns 40 pops off three Super Bowls like Tom Brady did, it's not happening. It's over. Um, they didn't give him a, a top tier wide receiver to at least have some kind of threat. Mar Marquez Valdez Scantling is not it. Jared, uh, Geronimo Allison, who's no longer with the team, is not it. Alan Lazard King is not it. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let others uh, dictate that. But I, I do not see him as a Packer for life. I don't even know if this next season he will look comfortable in his role. It's funny you were mentioning uh, him and him and Brady, the whole 12 thing. I thought that was clever. Um, yeah. But Aaron Rodgers may be the best quarterback we've seen, but Tom Brady is maybe greater than Aaron Rodgers. And there's just the physical attributes that Aaron Rodgers possesses could may be better than Tom Brady, but Tom Brady overall will be considered as a greater quarterback, if possibly, you know, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. But Rodgers may be the most talented, and that's why there's an, and there's a difference in that in the physical attributes that they have, they what they bring to the game. Um, you know, Rodgers, I, 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 they should have gotten him help. I know we'll move on from this topic here. We talked about it, I think, a couple weeks before, but only them drafting a quarterback in the first round. They should have gotten help if they want to win. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think you said this topic before. They, they proved that they, they're looking to the future instead of winning now. But yeah. it, is, it, is, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so the NFL actually released their schedule a couple weeks ago. 
um, for the upcoming 2020 season. I thought it was interesting. Some games that stood out to me, I wanted to talk about quickly a little bit and for yourself, Obed. Um, obviously, we're going to mention, I guess, you know, week one, <laughs> yeah, which I think is probably the most significant one. Tampa Bay at New Orleans, Tom Brady, Ooh. Drew Brees, going mm-hmm. gonna be going to be a gunfight, of course. We'll hope, hope to see that, you know, uh, shootout there. Shootout. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, damn, that's I think that's gonna be a, a heck a heck of a, a heck of a, a matchup in that one. You know, that's gonna be what forty five to fifty five, hopefully, maybe. Possibly, possibly, <laughs> it'd be like Carson Palmer's with the Bengals versus uh, Peyton Manning with the Colts, where it was thirty eight twenty four at halftime. <laughs> you know, you know, Brady and Breeze might throw for seventeen touchdowns in that game each. <laughs> you know. My God. <laughs> again, I get the feeling, get, feel it down on my plums. Oh my goodness, <laughs> you know. A um, couple other matchups I was looking at uh, was Week Six. Um, I thought was interesting. Uh, the Ravens at the Eagles, I think, will be nice. And then uh, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. We talked about the twelves going at it. Twelves uh, going at it. Yeah, Rod- Rodgers and Brady. So that was a couple of good games which stood out to me. I think that one's going to be phenomenal. And that one's in Tampa Bay, so Brady doesn't have to deal with the elements in Green Bay. Uh, mm-hmm. well, you know the cold, so I think that's nice too. He gets to stay in, in sunny Florida. Um, your your any any uh, matchups you're kind of looking forward to later in the season, beginning of the season that stood out to you. So. Uh, I want to I want to touch point on you saying the first week the game that you're looking at was the uh, Colts versus the Bucks. Who you know? The, excuse me, not the Colts. The Saints versus the Bucks. The Saints, you know, yeah, yeah, played yeah. until the FC and it's a championship game. You know, they got out of it. Um, unfortunately, I noticed that you didn't talk about the. For me, as a Patriots fan, I always looked forward to the first game of the season, especially after a Patriots Super Bowl win, because you get to be featured as the first team that plays, right? You get that that starting spot to like open up the season, and they didn't give it to the Patriots because they wanted to do the hundred year centennial whatever with the Packers against the charge uh, against the Bra- uh, excuse me Bears, Bears in a terrible terrible ten three game, uh, mind you, because Mitch Trubisky is su- su- suspect. Um, but uh, the first game of the season for the camp, the reigning champion, the Chiefs, is with the Texans at home. What kind of a sorry game is that? What would that we're talking about a team that no longer has DeAndre Hopkins with a looks like he's running in mud, uh, David Johnson running back behind center. Um, I have no idea what's up, but it, it, it's to me an element of how like the slump is happening to the idea of competitiveness in the NFL. Uh, I recently read an article by Warren Sharp. And Warren Sharp is an is a analyst uh, for the NFL. He actually works for the Ravens right now. Um, and he did a schedule equity uh, a study where he looked at four variables, preparation and rest, the opponent days to prepare. Two, prime time, how many Monday night football games you had and whether they were home and away. Thursday night football games, how many you had and they were home and away. And then the net weeknight games, total number of home and games, you, you, home and away games that you play. And what he found was that it was not equitable. There are certain teams that get the benefit of a better schedule than other teams. One in particular for me as a hater was the Ravens, who had some of the most, they had teams off of the least amount of rest that played them and some of the most home games that they, that they could have so that they could be in a better position to play against these teams. Um, if you look at the last 10 years of the first game of the season, uh, when the Packers won the Super Bowl, they went to play the Saints in a 42-34 game, or they played the Saints at home in a 42-32 game. Uh, the Giants had to play the Cowboys and lost 24-17. The Broncos and the Ravens played a 49-27 game where the Broncos won after uh, the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Excuse me. The Seahawks played the Green Bay Packers. New England played shits, uh, excuse me, Pittsburgh uh, on more than one occasion. Uh, this past, uh, I think a few years ago and 2014. But in 2015, they made the Broncos and Panthers play the Super Bowl over again for the first game of the season. And you're telling me that you have Houston, a nobody team, going to play KC, a team that's probably going to blow them out of the water. Well, you, you got to remember, this is a matchup from last year's divisional round where the Texans jumped out to a 21-0 lead in the first quarter. And, of course, we know the Chiefs came back and won that, won that game and eventually won the Super Bowl. So I think that's why they're kind of doing this. You know, you got Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, two, yeah. you know, one, one former MVP winner, potential MVP mm-hmm. candidate in the years to come with the, with the Texans and Watson. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's where they looked at. They looked at the Chiefs and said, okay, you know, what game can we give them opening night to kind of 
maybe a stir, stir up a little rivalry type of type of thing. Can the Texans come in mm-hmm. to Arrowhead again and get some, you know, uh, get some revenge on what happened last year? Mm-hmm. Everyone thought if you're up 21 nothing the first quarter of a playoff game, you've got the game. Exactly. So, yeah. and the check that Chiefs came out and just waxed them, you know, with, you know, outscoring them 51 to 10 in the, in the last three quarters. I think that's what yeah. it was about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's such a terrible, terrible week one matchup. Again, you know, we're looking at the Packers and Vikings. That's a divisional matchup in, in the week one as well, too. Yeah. There's some couple of good games, you know, in, in, the, fir- in the first week. Um, I know you were thinking offline, we we're talking about some other games you were focusing on yeah. um, throughout the season. I would, I would say, uh, to, to the point about the first game, if you really want to make a statement, you make the Ravens and the Chiefs play each other on game one. Because you, you would make Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady play game one. You would make Peyton Manning and, and uh, uh, Drew Brees play game one. If you really think the Ravens are that good and you think those – let's talk about it. The, the, the 1A, 1B best quarterbacks right now or young, up-and-coming young quarterbacks are Lamar Jackson and uh, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah. You hide them in a week three game that's nothing. That means nothing. Make that game week 14 force these guys to play and they're not doing that for these teams and they're making these guys look like they're better than they are uh, i'm looking forward to week one with the cards and the rams or the bucks at new orleans uh i'm looking forward to the niners the niners three game streak or schedule is at the seahawks week eight good then they play the packers at home week nine and then week 10 they go and play the saints Hoo-wee. Hoo, those games that that stretch of games is about to be silly um and then week 12 chiefs at the bucks uh, I think that's going to be a good matchup, especially with the Bucks being able to be at home. We'll see where they are in Week 12. They can actually match up. I expect the Chiefs to be a good team this year, uh, but we'll see. But again, I just I wanted to point that out. If you guys look, check out Warren Sharp at Sharp Analysis, does fantastic work. I have to tip my hat to him. Uh, but I think that the NFL is doing a disservice in the idea of being competitive by not really making some of these premier matches happen. Uh, we need to see Lamar Jackson go at uh, the Kansas City Chiefs early if he's really that good. I think it's going to be a very phenomenal game between the Ravens and Chiefs. Yeah, but yeah, I actually kind of like your point, putting up Ravens and Chiefs week one. All eyes, you know, the open, opening game is, is Thursday night, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, primetime game, the only game happening. Now, the game that they have, Ravens and Chiefs, I think is, I believe is a Monday night game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I believe it is. But still, opening week, everyone's paying attention. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, a Monday night game, I think it's just as good. You know, people are focused in, you know, Monday nights uh, on, on football. Uh, especially because, you know, if the season is delayed by any reason because of due to the corner coronavirus uh, situation, you know, everyone's going to be anticipating football even more. So, yeah, week yeah. one would have been the best time to have those two guys yeah. highlighted there. So, it, it is interesting. But, yeah, I think there's going to be a, definitely some good games happening, you know, uh, this season. Uh, man, I got to say, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting whether all the pieces, all the teams, teams uh, players have moved, moved around and things like that. So, I'm looking forward to this season for sure. Um, Obed, you wanted to um, bring up another topic that was floating around the NFL uh, the yeah. past couple of days, um, talking about the hiring of some minority coaches and some things that would basically incentivize teams to further their uh, their search aspect. If you don't mind, if you, go ahead, please. Thank you, sir. Thanks. So, yeah, no, actually, so the NFL uh, quickly has made a uh, – or they're considering improving draft picks for teams that hire minority candidates by stating that – if a team hires a minority candidate for a GM, their third round pick will be increased by 10 spots, the position. And if they hire a minority head coach, they will increase that position, that uh, spot, another six spots. So you could be talking about your third round pick becoming a second round pick. Now, my concern here is this is, this has an esque of Rooney rule to it. And while everybody's like, oh, the Rooney rule is amazing, Rooney rule is amazing, Rooney rule just states that you have to hire, you have to interview a minority candidate for a head coaching position if you have one. So what teams have been doing since its inception is just hiring a minority candidate and then, or excuse me, interviewing a minority candidate and just hiring whoever else they want to. Um, I think the league has seen over the years kind of the, the um, negative aspect of hiring for these kind of up top positions uh you know you look at guys like Raheem Morris who lost his his uh, head coaching job with the Buccaneers I think maybe he could have deserved to have a, a little more uh, leeway there uh thank God Anthony Lynn still has his job but you look at a guy like Vance Joseph on one year with the Broncos with a team that was you know very thin with offensive skill set talent really because the GM John Elway keeps giving giving him giving that team bad quarterbacks to work with uh, you know, he lost his job. That was that was completely unfortunate. 
Um, Brian Flores, uh, most recently, you saw that Bill Belichick had him as a uh, coordinator, but did not give him the defensive coordinator role or title so that anything negative that happened in that year that they had would not be tied to Brian Flores so that he could then become the head coach of the Dolphins. Um, it's, it's, I, I, you know, uh, Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser were discussing this and, you know, uh, Tony Kornheiser was like, this seems like a game show where you're basically saying, Hey, you can either improve your spot and gamble on it, or you can just go ahead and move on to the next round. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I think we're at a point now where we're watching the NFL continue to, to have equity in people who probably don't deserve the role. Byron Leftwich, who's been a great coordinator, uh, for the Steelers and now the, um, the, uh, Buccaneers uh, following Bruce Arians uh, has he probably deserves to be a head coach soon. I don't know where that's going to happen. He might have to go be the OC at another team. I don't know where that's going to happen. You look at a guy like uh, Mike Judge, who just went from being the wide receiver coach for the Patriots to the head coach of the Giants. Uh, that uh, rule from yeah, special teams Baylor, coach, even. right? Rule from uh, the Baylor Bears is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and you look at what uh, you know. Cliff Kingsbury was doing with this fool taking a job at USC, never stepping foot on the campus, and then turning that into the head coaching job for the Arizona Cardinals. They are going out of their way to not bring up and promote minority candidates uh, and then just going and hiring whoever they want because they like this, you know, it's this good old boy mentality. I, I think it's a good start and it's a good idea, but, you know, you should be hiring who the best person is in the room, and they are obviously looking at them and not doing that. Yeah, I will 100% agree, just, just to kind of wrap this topic up here, that they're just kind of going through the quote-unquote process to interview because they knowingly they know that they have to, otherwise they'll be fined or punished in some manner from the, from the league. Um, but they, they have no intention of actually even thinking, considering hiring that one individual person. Now, is it happening across the board? I, force, I can't say that for certain, but I do, think, I do think in the past and in some, maybe perhaps some current situation that it can, does continue to happen. So yes, I hopefully, hopefully you would have agreed that, you know, they, they kind of take these things seriously and look at these minority coaches who have the, have a, who have a great resume, resume, excuse me. And, um, and really just look forward, look to, look to the future for these guys and give them an opportunity. So we'll see what happens there. Let's move on to some basketball. Um, of course, the main thing that was happening right now around the league, um, well, aside from, you know, potentially starting the season, you know, whether it's going to be re re restarting the season where it's going to be capped off. We're not, still not sure about that, what's happening in the NBA, if they're going to continue, if they're just going to put a kibosh on the whole thing. We're not sure yet. But we do have some entertainment to uh, to keep us uh, held down during this quarantine situation. Of course, we know it's the last dance. The story, the whole documentary on ESPN with the, with Michael Jordan and the Bulls and their last championship run. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I think it was episodes three and four. Now we've gone through episodes five through eight now in the past few weeks. Man, I've, I feel like this is just getting better and better every single time. And I'm just yeah. you know seeing so much... It just, I just get, yo, I get amped every single time I watch this thing. Every, every, I watch more and more. As we all know, I'm a huge Jordan fan. Um, man, it just, it just, just brings me so much joy just watching and seeing the, all the behind the scenes footage. Um, episodes five, kind of six, I think, has started on a little bit on Kobe Bryant, how Michael Jordan's impact on him. Uh, man, you got to see, you know, Kobe idolized Jordan. Dude. Yeah, he absolutely idolized Jordan. He wanted to be like Mike, you know. Yeah. Uh, he may have won fewer championships, you know, than Mike. But man, he wanted to be like Mike. Whether you know if it was his jump shot, it was his turnaround, fadeaway, mm -hmm. you know, the way he brought the ball up the court, the way he walked. I think whatever the case may be, is you know he wanted to be like Mike. He had such a great influence on him, you know. And during Kobe Bryant's uh, eulogy ceremony at the Staples Center, Michael even elaborated on that to a bit. You know, he really took looked at Kobe as a young, a little brother, and he welcomed the idea of mentoring Kobe Bryant, which I thought was absolutely great. You know, yeah. a lot of guys grew up around this, you know, around the league fearing Michael Jordan. You were just afraid to even just approach him. And Kobe Bryant would say in past interviews that you know, oh, Michael was like, "Yeah, dude, if you got questions, hit me up." no problem. And I think that was absolutely great. Um, you know, um, it just really, I wanted to talk about that a little bit, a bit, and then really jo Jordan's impact 
around the league, not just, you know, in this country, but internationally as well, too. Because, man, he impacted everything. Everybody knew Michael Jordan. He was the biggest thing in the world at that time. You know, it's like, I think we even brought this mention up before too, Michael Jackson, people were all around the world knowing Michael Jackson's people fainting at his concerts in Germany and Sweden or whatever have you, you know what I mean? So Jordan was the same thing. Quickly touch on it. Like I said, his impact for Kobe and then his global impact as well. So for me, and I think it's, it's, to be able to speak to the impact of Kobe Bryant and seeing the influence that Jordan brought on it was that you had to have watched Jordan be Jordan at his height and his prime. And then you can see where this person implement has elements of the game has studied and followed that. This is why I very, I have a very big, you know, dynamic between people when they're just like, LeBron is better. Mm, LeBron, I've never watched LeBron and felt like I was watching Michael Jordan. When you watched Kobe Bryant, you felt like you were watching the elements of Michael Jordan. Um, you know, and, and really this is for the Kobe stands and the Bron sexuals. They're starting to quickly learn the love affair, uh, are not on the scale of greatness of Jordan. Like it's, it's just not there. Like Kobe is on record as saying that there are not five championships without the advice from Michael Jordan, without being able to text this guy at three o'clock in the morning, like Jordan said at the eulogy. Um, you know, I, I think, I think he knew that that kid, and even you, you know, you're watching it and you're seeing him talking in the in the all-star game in the back room with the rest of the Eastern all-stars, just like, Oh man, that kid's not trying to take, he's just going to go at anybody. He doesn't care. You know? And I feel like that's the first time you hear the mentality of like this vicious person who wants to win all the time, understand that he sees in this person that he wants to do the kind of stuff that I was doing. Right. And Jordan's like, I'm not passing him the ball if he goes and misses four out there. But I tell you what, if Jordan and him were on the same team, you think him and Scotty Pippen were good. Oh my goodness, what could have happened if the two of them had coexisted? At least having him to mentor him, because obviously Tom, uh, excuse me, I'm about to say Tom Brady, Jordan, uh, but in the same vein as Tom Brady, is elevating guys around him. You got Luke Longley doing a commercial because Luke Longley looks good out there, because <laughs> he's playing well with talk with, my, with Michael Jordan. Um, his global impact, you know, just like we were talking about, I made a comment about Michael Jackson. People in, you know, Zimbabwe don't speak English, they know Michael Jackson's song. People in you know, the Ukraine don't speak English and they know Michael Jordan, right? Like everybody wanted to be like Mike. There wasn't a person who wanted to be like Mike. Even people who Mike competed with wanted to be like Mike. One of which, uh, uh, a fantastic Sir Charles Barkley, I will say, wanted to be Mike as as awe, as hard, much as he wanted to. Because if you look back at him on those Phoenix Sucks teams, he, he was their Michael Jordan. He carried that team. Uh, he also carried the dream team uh, when he actually averaged uh i think oh i need to get some stats here for you but well listen we'll talk about those stats later let's keep, keep it on jordan right now mm-hmm. um sure. jordan had an immense global impact and it wasn't just about his way on the on the court it was off the court his ability to have style his ability to uh you know change the way people looked at basketball players because you know he was an attractive guy right like he can he can be a model he can go out there and have people uh swooning his name i mean i you, you look at how many players on those Jordan teams had a single earring in their left ear that was diamond encrusted because Jordan did. You know what I mean? He's making a statement everywhere he went. Um, when you look at uh, uh, Jordan, I mean, obviously there's also the negatives. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to flow into that um, uh, as far as the issue with gambling. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think it was very much shown in certain ways in the, in the documentary, except alluded to in, in good ways. Uh, Michael Wozniak, right? The, the guy that he lost in quarters to, and then he did the Jordan shrug. Um, another thing that he's implemented whenever, Hey, Bron sexual stands, Steve Curry fans. When you see them do the shrug, that's the Jordan shrug. Okay. That was cause Michael Jordan was like, I just hit this many threes on these dudes. And you guys thought I was, mm, that's what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's lost, he loses a little bit of money to, uh, this guy, uh, Wozniak off of playing game of playing quarters. But, you know, if you dig deeper into it, there's an English footballer called Gary Lineker. And Gary Lineker was on Twitter saying, hey, you know, I have a Jordan story of playing golf with Jordan. Where he hits me up, one of, my, one of his associates hits him up like, hey, Jordan wants to come to this place in England and play golf. He's like, all right, cool. So got to get some people together because you can only have two people as a member of the golf, uh, golf uh, 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 what is that, country club. So he calls a friend. Jordan's people call him back. He's like, hey, I got Samuel L. Jackson and a couple of basketball players I want to come play. He's like, all right, cool. I got some more dudes. So they go there. They're playing. Uh, Gary has a friend who's really good who played like semi-pro uh, on the tour. 
and they're just like going back and forth with Jordan. They're just like, hey, uh, you know, let's let's have a friendly bet, friendly wager. His friend says, hey, Mike, do you want to bet? And bet's like, and Mike's like, yeah, sure, why not? And then the guy asks Jordan, he's like, how much do you want to bet? Jordan looks at him and says, whatever makes you feel uncomfortable, right? That's the kind <laughs> of way that Michael Jordan gambled. So I can imagine he would have a bit of a gambling problem when it's just like, oh, what makes you uncomfortable to bet? What that guy has said, 300,000. You know Mike's good for it, you know? Right, uh, right. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, what? it's funny. He says, whatever makes you feel uncomfortable. He wanted people to be, in he wanted to intimidate and, and people no matter what. And he wanted to win at all cost because yeah. he knew he was going to bring his A game no matter what. And it actually made him, made him elevate, you know, his game when people were scared and frustrated and things like that, that nature, you know, and he wanted to put you on the ropes. Like, Oh man, I'm nervous here. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I can't lose. Now I don't want to lose this money. Things like that. Whether it came from, you know, playing quarters, you know, at playing golf, playing cards on the plane. There was a story about yeah. how he was on the, on the bus on, I think it was on a plane and Judd, I think with Judd Bushel was telling the story where Jordan and Pippa guys were in the back playing some cards for a hundred dollars a hand and playing blackjack where him and when Bushler and Kerr were up in the front playing a dollar a hand, Jordan, Jordan, that's his money from the back. He comes to the front of the bus and says, Hey guys, what you guys doing? He says, Oh, we're playing cards. Like, All right. want to play. He goes, why do you want to play with us? You guys were playing a hundred dollars a hand back there. And Jordan's and Jordan's answer goes, cause I want to know, I want you guys to know that I took your money too. That's why it wasn't even just about the amount of money. It was the fact that he wanted to win and beat everyone yep. that's how his mentality his his mentality was dominate at all costs and it's it sure, sherman why why is wait a second why is scotty pippen up there playing a hundred dollars a head you signed a seven-year 18 million dollar extension you better save your money fool <laughs> <laughs> you know but it's just so funny that you know it didn't matter who it was he wanted to beat you you know and there was that they talked about the incident the, inc the instance where jordan went to uh, went to ac for the night with his pops and gambled and things like that and he had he had a or game the next day you know wasn't a good idea yeah. I don't think he had a problem he just enjoyed doing it and you know, yeah. it wasn't like like he said he wasn't losing his car wasn't losing yeah. his house he wasn't yeah. living on the street you know yeah. he didn't you know things like that those people who are people who have gambling problems when yeah. you when you're mortgaging your home you know you know yeah. you know you know people are coming after your kids for your you know kidnapping you things like that that's when you got real problems a Lindbergh baby man they're not out here trying to grab marcus or his other kid you know what i mean and that's, I that's what i'm saying it, yeah. it ain't on that level just yet you know i don't which i don't think it'll ever be but still no, i don't no, think no. he had that quote, quote quote unquote problem as everyone thought you know yeah. is it possibly one of the reasons why we you know that he kind of retired later on we'll get into his retirement here in a little bit but yeah. man it was just interesting to kind of see all that you know and going back to kind of on the court jordan uh man this these last few episodes have been great well they showed you know the shot from 89 over elo and, and the Cavs. you know where he, he wore the best jordans the jordan fours no here we go again <laughs> i told you 11s all day but uh, um but uh you know and talking about the rivalry with the detroit pistons the bad boys you know that error that you know that to me that's when basketball was great you know yeah. like the physic the physicality of basketball in the late 80s and the 90s yeah. where you were allowed to pretty much punch somebody in the face and be like all right go go chill out for a little bit <laughs> look like wwf you're about to get clothesline off the top rope dude that's what i'm saying with that mm, elbow right there like <laughs> ma ma macho man randy savage style you know what i'm saying oh yeah, yeah exactly can you dig it you know yeah, right. <laughs> but um it's so and now these days dude you can you can't even breathe on somebody like oh technical like dude what this about? is my problem with the bronze sexuals, and I'm just gonna keep calling them that. Like, I just, <laughs> there's they, there's no mad, mad, there's no video montage of of uh, Michael Jordan flopping. There's no video montage of of uh, Kobe Bryant flopping. Okay, there's no video montage of Steph Curry flopping. But you can go back in numerous games where it looks like he's swimming in a baby pool. What are you doing? What if somebody <laughs> touches your face and it looks like you just got shot? Uh, what what do you um? Uh, John F. Kennedy, back and to the left. Get out of here, bro. Come on, man. That's not that's not what the great ones are about. Yeah, it's it's just the 80s, 90s. Come on. Dude, yeah, it's it's a different game as we all know. But man, it was interesting. You know, they talked about with the, speaking of the Pistons, how the when the you know the Bulls were losing to the Pistons for for years straight, and I think it was two straight years in the Eastern Conference Finals in '89 and '90. Pistons just dominating them because they realized, you know, you have to be physical with, with MJ. You had to knock him down before he even got up pretty much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Before yeah. he took flight, beat him, 
punch, you know, whatever you got to do, make sure he stayed on the ground. You know, he didn't, you know, penetrate to the hole, to the hole, in, in the, you know, down in the, in the paint and really get his shots up. And that's what, that's what worked. And MJ realized, yo, dude, I got to put some bulk up. I got to get some of my strength up. And that's what happened. And they were finally able to get past in 91 and sweep them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, of course, in that last game, where it's all talked about how the Pistons uh, walked off the court after getting swept. And that kind of stirred Jordan the, the, the wrong way. It was kind of rumors, oh, this is the, probably the reason why Isaiah was left off of the dream team um, the, the following year. Do you believe that? You know, it's hard to say. I actually recently watched the interview with John Sally from a few months back, and he was saying that it wasn't really Jordan. It was Magic who kind of, you know, you know, the Lakers had problems with the Pistons. The Celtics had problems with the Pistons, you know. Um, So it wasn't just the Bulls. Um, It was kind of everyone just, you know, their their whole bad boy mentality. Bill Lambeer even came on, I think, an ESPN show the other day saying that they don't regret walking off. You know, they were the the quote-unquote bullies. They didn't care. It doesn't care what people think. Yo, it is what it is. That's how basketball was back then. So um, it was just interesting. You know, this these episodes have been great. Um, Anything, your, your take in the last few what episodes five through eight from the last dance um i think uh i really enjoyed the olympic dream team uh, i mean they literally were the greatest team ever assembled i mean it just for, for me i felt like watching the team and this is this is why i need to talk about sir charles being just as uh, trying to be the jordan of his era for when he played at the phoenix suns yes he had some great times with seven sixers but he was trying to be that guy for the phoenix suns even taking them to the nba finals uh where they lost to jordan's bulls um you know and i don't know where draymond green has the audacity to open his mouth on a guy like this because charles barkley actually led the dream team in scoring with 18 points per game, not Michael at 14.9 points per game. Uh, and, you know, it, it, Sir Charles is a dog. You know, I just – I think Draymond has, has, has the personality type to be able to say these things, but Draymond will never be Charles Barkley, even if Charles doesn't have the rings. No, not at all. Um, you know, and, and hey, that's fine, you, but you got to stay in your lane. Uh, so, I don't – I think – should have Isaiah Thomas replaced John Stockton? Absolutely. I think Isaiah Thomas, without a doubt, his record, his pedigree. But again, we talked about this. How much of that was because the league allowed him to play the bad boy? And then the other thing is you enjoyed playing the bad boy too much. Of note, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman is a G, right? Dennis Rodman got married to Carmen Electra and basically had all kinds of illicit sex with her all over the, the stadium. Uh, married himself, was dating Madonna his best friends with Kim Jong-un. And this was a poor guy that like was on the streets at 18 before he got a chance to go play basketball and, and become what he's become. If you want to talk about living your best life, Dennis Rodman has done that. And he was a bad boy and he still has the respect of his peers. I don't know if Isaiah Thomas has the respect of his peers. When you listen to these guys still talk about him to this day. Um, uh, I did like, Oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say about the whole Isaiah Thomas thing, you know, um, basically the guy, the former Bulls, G, Bulls uh, executive Rod Thorne, who really orchestrated this the dream team. And he actually said in a recent interview that, quote, there was never anything in my conversations with Jordan that had to do with Isaiah Thomas, period, end quote. So they never even brought up Isaiah Thomas. You know, yeah. is it kind of maybe some sort of quote unquote unspoken truth? I think that's what I think. I think it's just like, we're not going to speak his name because all these people in the room know what it is. But that that could possibly be what what it is. So you know, who who knows? I, I I'm not sure. But man, it the, the like you said too. Should he have replaced John Stockton? Probably. Yeah, he was probably the better the better. He was the better player. You know, he's yeah. arguably the second greatest point guard of all time behind Magic Johnson. And Magic Johnson. Yeah. You no, know? so, I would agree, absolutely agree with that. Right, right, right. So yeah, but the Dream Team, one of the greatest teams ever assembled. Yeah, and I, that's why I wanted to speak to Sir Charles because then they talked about the 93 finals uh, with the Suns uh, and, you know, Jordan and Pippen hounding Dan Marley. And this is another thing. Jerry Krause, Jerry Krause really was a dick. I don't know. I don't understand. Like, all, <laughs> it's, he just sounds like the father who just never gave his son an inch to feel like he had was validated in something because they said they went at Dan Marley because Jerry Krause said that he actually liked Dan Marley, and they did the same thing with Tony Kukoc when he said he liked Tony Kukoc. You have horses on your team that have won you the triple crown. You had can't you? And the next every time you come into the media, you have nothing but negative things to say, ch- cutting down things to say. Well, hey, the, the the team was great, but it's about how. 
kind of good organization is why. Jerry Krause, you, I don't think you could make 10 points against Michael Jordan if he gave you an eight-point lead, all right? Like, just <laughs> stop it, man. Show you, this is the problem with a lot of organizations, their inability to just show gratitude for what is done on the court, especially when you're looking at greatness. Um, I, I, you know, I, and I, I'm all, I completely understand it. Now, uh, so as we've talked about championship teams, because that was a championship team that beat the Suns, they ranked the best championship teams. Now, I personally, I have no say in this. I actually liked the, uh, the, um, the listing that they had. Do you agree with uh, the best Bulls teams that they stated? Yeah, obviously, number one was going to be the 95-96 Bulls because they went 72-10, and 10, obviously mm-hmm. the greatest record up until that point. Uh, they broke the former uh, Lakers record, I think it was, uh, was set in 1969 or 70, 72 or something. Excuse me, I forget which one it was. But the Lakers formerly went 69-13. and 13. The Bulls broke that record for the first team scoring, um, excuse me, getting 70 wins, mm-hmm. of course, which was later broken by the uh, Golden State Warriors in 16 yep. going 73-9. and nine. But, of course – no championship there but um looking at these bulls teams man yeah the 96 team obviously was going to be number one i i thought the 97 team would be number two to be honest with you because they actually won 69 games they went 69 and 13 the mm-hmm. second team to ever do that um but uh they actually had a chance to get 70 wins again that the next that, that that season they lost the last game of the year against the knicks in chicago that I remember actually watching wow. the game, and I was so upset. I was like, oh, man, 69 wins. They're about to get the 70 wins for, the, for back-to-back years. We're the only yeah. team in history to ever do that. All you got to do is beat the Knicks at home. They yeah. lost that game. didn't get the 70 wins. Of course, they still went on to win the finals against the Jazz and things like that. So no, no big deal there. But I really thought that would be the number two team. Uh, but, yeah, quite frankly, some people do say that that 92 Bulls team is probably the greatest team um, yeah, he's had Jordan was at the height of his career in, in that one. You know, they capped off that season uh, winning again the finals against the Blazers where we saw in game one the shrug game hitting those six threes mm-hmm. in the first half. Mm-hmm. I think he, was, he dropped 35 in that, in that half. He gave you know? Clyde Drexler the work. Oh, my God. All because the people were comparing him to Clyde Drexler, and he yeah. was not liking that. He did not want to be compared to another player. He wanted to be, be so that he was Michael Jordan. He was that dude. That yeah. set him off. So you know what? That's enough for me. I'm going to go out here and torch these dudes. Because that's the way Michael Jordan was. He was all about the mental. And speaking of the mental, and fi- I'm finally going to give it to, to, uh, to Sherman, ladies and gentlemen. The 96 season, that Bulls team saw Michael Jordan, after he had come back from being his hiatus, win 72 games, win the All-Star MVP, the regular season MVP, the finals MVP, and he wore... Okay, so before he started the playoffs, he told he went into the office of uh, of um, uh, Phil Jackson and he said, "Hey, I want to make a statement. I want everybody to make a statement." So he said, "We are going to wear black socks and black shoes." And his entire team through the playoffs that year wore black socks and black shoes. Can you guess the black shoes that Michael Jordan wore through the playoffs that year? The the bread Elevens. The Brett Elevens. So while everybody was wearing black and white shoes, Michael Jordan has just shown off his brand new sneakers that he did. He waited to debut with the red bottoms. And then when he won the championships, they have photos of him in the back surrounded by the shoes. That shoe was such a huge marketing ploy for him. He used his success to just elevate those shoes. And then those shoes were in Space Jam. Right. So uh, they're not only talking about a shoe that he then won every MVP that he could win in the league in that year, then the championship. He also had those shoes. The kids went crazy for them. This is now I will say personally that I felt like the Jordan four was a better shoe and the Jordan, the Jordan three. We got to give respect to the Jordan three. The Jordan three is a first shoe that didn't have uh, was designed by Tinker. Tinker Hatfield, Hatfield. Yep. Didn't have the uh, the um, the swoosh on it. The elephant print. And the Jumpman logo made their debut there, debut mm-hmm. there because this was the first shoe that like a player came in and was like, no, this is what I want to see on there. It was stylish, right? As right. much as it was, oh, I was just going to say one last thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it was the shoe was designed specifically because Jordan came off of his injury riddled season for his foot, so they made it a mid. Up until that point, the Jordan one, Jordan two were a high, and they were just like, hey, we're going to use this exposed air bubble technology. I mean, it, it, Jordan three is an amazing shoe. Go ahead. No, and it's funny. This all wouldn't, I think, wouldn't be possible without 
Dolores Jordan, Jordan Michael's, Michael's mother, she's the one that told him to take the interview with Nike. Jordan originally was being pitched by Converse, which was mm-hmm. noted in the, the, the Last Dance documentary. Converse was the official shoe of the league in that, that, during that time. Um, he, and he said he was a fan of Adidas. He was yeah. all about Adidas, you know, things like that was the big thing to do. Because Nike back in the 80s was really mostly a track sneaker, track shoe. Yeah. So, With the waffles. Right. And uh, Nike said, hey, you know, come on out. You know, and Jordan didn't want to go. But his mother said, Michael, at least go and hear what the people have to say. You know, yeah. when he got the deal, his, his pops told him, he's like, dude, you, you're crazy if you don't take this deal. This is the best deal you're going to get. And yeah. sure enough, bam, re- <laughs> right there, he rewrote history. Yeah. Of not only of just of sports, athletic wear, you know, apparel. Of think yeah. about it, how much Nike has grown because of Michael Jordan. Because the in, yeah. school, the universities are sponsored by Nike. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, leagues are sponsored by you know teams and. You know, like, Everybody wants a colorway. Everybody wants a Jordan colorway. Exactly. You know what I mean? Right. So that's how much of an impact he had. We talked about his impact before, his global impact. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is what he did. But man, you know. You know, uh, Jordan and the, those teams were actually phenomenal. You know, of course, they talked about in the documentary about Jordan retiring after the 93 season. Unfortunately, as we all know, Michael Jordan's father was was killed after he was found you know, sleeping in his car. Two men shot him. Um, whether it was the rumors going around, the reporters were stirring up some controversy that was related to Jordan's gambling debts, which yeah. I think is an awful rumor to start, even yeah. if it's that it's nowhere that it's, I don't think it's anywhere near true. It was the wrong place, wrong time. He pulled over the side of the road, took a nap, boom, and got, and he got, he, he, he of course he was gunned down, you know, which is absolutely tragic. Um, and I think that really was really what affected Jordan's decision to not play basketball any longer. His dad was that his father was no longer there to see him play the game that he perfected. And really every game, every championship, his, his father was there for so far, you know, and coming out of retirement, you know, early that 95, or excuse me, late in that 95 season, you know, wearing the 45, Magic said, oh, 45, 8, 23, he switched up and started going off. Of course, they didn't win because he wasn't in shape. But, you know, and then finally to next year of 96, winning that first championship without his father on Father's Day, you see Jordan breaking down, which was just, which was, 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 um, man. Iconic photos, iconic photos. And only a few of them, you know, iconic photos, only a few of them. Yeah, you know, it it was, it was amazing. And another thing I thought was great from the documentary was when in 96 finals, when, Gary Payton said he had to switch on Michael Jordan to slow him down because he was Michael Jordan was torching him for the first three games. So that's what changed the series. And Jordan just laughs hysterically. (laughs) (laughs) The Jordan laughing. This is how you know he knew how good he was. My favorite meme is the one where, uh, excuse me, GIF is where they've spliced LeBron talking about, oh, I won a championship in Cleveland and maybe the greatest player ever. And Jordan is laughing like, shut yes. your dumb ass up, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. I saw I, that Jordan laugh from the interview with LeBron talking about him being the greatest player. Like, dude. <laughs> but and LeBron's sexuals are eating up around, oh, yeah, you're the best player because you won in Cleveland. They get your ass up out of here. <laughs> you know, and it's so funny. But just Jordan just saying, he, I had, he basically, I had no problems with Gary Payton. <laughs> come on slow your roll slow your roll i got this yeah right. had, gary payton had a couple of good games but who won you know what i mean right. you know right yeah and uh, you know even the even the game in the 98 uh playoffs when it was bj armstrong going at when with the hornets going at him and right. going off and playing on his arms and he's screaming at the bulls bench jordan said okay you want to do that let's see yeah. what happens Bulls won the next three games, you know, and Jordan, Jordan yeah. just went off. Um, there was even a story about an old um, Bulls and Bullets game where this guy, LeBradford Smith, went off at 37 points against the Bulls. Jordan tells a story where after the game, LeBradford Smith walks over and says, nice game, Mike. So he says, okay, that's all I need to yeah. know. The next game, they're playing the Bullets on the back-to-back. And in Washington, they go to Washington. Jordan says to him, you know what? I'm going to have what this guy had for the game. I'm going to have this in the, in the, in the first half. Goes off, of, goes off of 36 points in the first half, just torching him. Now, so years, decades later, it's rumored that um, that LeBradford Smith never said that to him and didn't say anything. So some some reporters said to him, hey, Mike, is that whole LeBradford Smith thing true? He said, nah, just want to make it up. Make it up. I, wanted, I just made it up. I just wanted to motivate myself. <laughs> you got to play the mind games. When you know what it takes to turn you on, you do what you got to do. It was, right? just, it was just amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And That's just, good. You play a game. You play games in this sport that these guys play their entire life. You're just like, oh, I'm going to just come out here and cook. 
Yeah, and just to, just to kind of uh, take us out here, Obed, um, I know ESPN came out with a list of the 74 best players of all time. Man, this was a heck of a list. I'm just quickly, as we, you know, I don't want to take on too much time. You're looking at the top 10, um, I thought was fantastic. Shaq, number 10. Kobe, number 9. Um, Duncan, 8. Of course, Jordan was number 1, and LeBron was number 2, which – I'm okay with. I thought Kareem. I thought it would be Kareem at number two. Thank you, because LeBron James is not better than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like I, I just, and, and, and it's funny. I wanted to get into this topic in after the last dance was over because I was actually talking yeah. offline with with uh, with one of my with one of my friends, uh, Mike. Shout out to shout out to Mike. Was good, um, but um, you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar may go down as probably the quote unquote best player to play. But Jordan will be the greatest player. How similar to like we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers may be the best, better at his because of field attribute, but Tom Brady may be sort of the greatest player ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why I say that. So we'll, we'll get into that later. But I really thought Kareem would be too. I knew LeBron. Yes, I'll say he was going to probably be top top three on the list. So any other? I guess you have an issue with this. Any other issues with at least the, just in the top ten? Obed. I just think there needs to be a shakeup. I, I just cannot. And, and, you know, the big, the big Shaq Gnosis, you know, the big, the big Shaq, uh, Houdini, Shaq Dini, I mean, you, Shaq Diesel, he, Shaq Diesel, I, I, Shazam, he should have been higher. Tim Kazam, Duncan, Kazam. Kazam, excuse me. Uh, should have, Shazam was the other guy. Uh, he should have been higher. I just, there is, there's just, there's far too much bias towards what LeBron James has done. And yes, I get it. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's more recent. Um, and that's the beauty of this Last Dance documentary is all these people who have the, the slander that comes out of how they're putting where individuals are right now and giving them a mantle. No, bro. No, bro. You need like as much as Isaiah Thomas should have replaced John Stockton. John Stockton is a goon. John Stockton is an absolute, absolute beast and had probably one of the best pick and rolls with Carl Malone his entire oh, life. But, absolutely. you know, average a double-double like, like for like, like six or seven, excuse me, like eight or nine years in a row if you look at John Stockton's numbers. It's just absolutely fantastic. Um, I just think that the, the, the top 10, uh, I don't believe Steph Curry was in the top 10. Um, he was, you know, it's, it's actually, he was actually number 13, you know, and I, I feel like, I feel like he's got a claim to make when a guy like Ray Allen says that this guy's a way better shooter than I am. And most of us growing up know that Ray Allen is probably the best three point shooter we've ever seen. Right. Nobody is better than Jesus Solworth until Jesus Solworth says this guy's better than me. Right. He had the prettiest, he he had the prettiest shot ever. His yeah. smoothest shot, similar to Ken Griffey, the prettiest swing in baseball. Yeah, Ray Allen, prettiest shot in basketball. Yeah. So yeah, those are my only. Five. I think I honestly believe LeBron James probably should have been in the top five, but nowhere within the top three because it probably should have been Jordan, Kareem, and I mean maybe Will Chamberlain. You know, obviously he only won two championships, but his dominance was unparalleled for his time. Period. That's what I'm saying. His dominance was absolutely you know, tremendous. You know, Bill Russell. You got You have. You had to put Bill Russell up there in the top five. Obviously, mm. winning. winning Third, 11 titles in 13 years you know what I mean right. you know uh, you know he was a I think he was a player coach the last years at one point you know <laughs> crazy you know <laughs> and and just I just I feel like people have just believed in that but LeBron LeBron doesn't strike me and I'm, I'll be the hater to say this I don't feel that that intensity of basketball when I watch him I felt it when I watched Derrick Rose I feel it when I I watch uh Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they give me that feeling. Kawhi Leonard give me that feeling. LeBron just seems like I am a football player who's playing basketball and nobody can stop me when I muscle people around. He lacked the finesse for me that made me feel like he was a true, like, scholar of the game and a person who imposes his will whenever he wants to. You know, he had a, a ceremony to say what team he was going to when you're already in the pros like he was going to a college. Like, get up out of here, bro. <laughs> stop it. And to be honest, he doesn't win that South second – Right. He doesn't win that second South Beach uh, uh, championship without uh, without the greatest three point. One of the greatest three point shooters in the world hitting a last minute shot off a rebound. And that LeBron six, didn't throw right. 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 Like, you know, if you don't go and create this super team with D Wade, who already won a championship before you were there. Do you win? No, no, he, no, he did, he did not. That, that was his, that was their first championships. He lost his only appearance with the Cavs against the Spurs. I believe that was oath. No, no, D Wade, D Wade. Oh, D Wade, excuse me. Yeah, yes, D Wade yes, already yes. had one. So he yes, joins yes. D Wade and then was it? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm just, you know, I, it's when you look at the guys who are on the list that he was ranked above, who never switched teams, who was there through the thick and the thin, 
right? Imagine if what Kobe Bryant would have went through if he'd have been like, okay, I'm taking my talents to South Beach or I'm taking my, my talents to Cleveland. I'm just leaving the Lakers. Like, hey, you, you need to be the guy who makes the franchise story, right? I, I don't – great, you won a championship in Cleveland. But good for you. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much heartbreak they've been through. And just to, just to kind of wrap things up here, so I know we're, we're getting on our time. Uh, you know, um, I, I just talk forever. No, 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 you're good. But um, I, it's funny, one, in, the, in, the, in the documentary, people were talking about how, I guess, for lack of a word, you know, how much of a, an ass Michael Jordan would, would be to his teammates, you know, mm-hmm. and mean. And he always just wanted, he wanted perfection. He wanted, to people, he wanted people at their best, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, yeah. and, peop- and I saw some comments online where people were reacting to this and saying, well, LeBron would, well, LeBron didn't do this to his teammates. LeBron, LeBron would never do this. You know, he was always loving his teammates, things like that. You know what? Maybe if LeBron did this to his teammates, he wouldn't be three and six in finals. And Jordan, and you know what? And, then maybe, you. and maybe that's why Jordan was six and zero in the finals. Who knows? Thank you. But you know what? Because Jordan wanted the best out of every single person, every single time, no matter whether it was Pippen, Rodman, yep. Horace Grant, B.J. Armstrong, Steve Kerr, Judd Bushler, it didn't matter. He, he saw, saw your talent. He wanted you to bring out your talent. He saw your talent. Exactly. Even if you were the, the end at the end of the bench, it did not matter. He wanted you to be at hit at your best. Yes. And that's what because you know what? Because you know he was gonna be at his best every single night, and that's what he strives to be. He strives to be the greatest, and he is the greatest of all time. And Yep, we will get into that uh, discussion of, I'm sure, well, a few more times with other with other guests here on the show. But, um, folks, that is going to wrap it up for us this week here on What's the Work Entertainment. We thank you once again for joining in. Um, any Obed, any last words for the people, or we can just take it out here. I'll tell you this, Sherman. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to be out here. I always love pleasure being out here with you. Um, Sherman is hitting on the fact that you need to watch the movie Whiplash. Before we start talking about Jordan again and his greatness, you need to go watch the, the movie Whiplash. Are you rushing or are you dragging? And at the end of the joint, tell me if I'm either trying to hurt you or I'm trying to see how good you are. Mm, got him. You get it. There you go, man. Uh, don't forget to check us out on SoundCloud.com slash What's the Word Entertainment. Of course, on Twitter at BWWENT. For Obed, I am Sherm. We will catch you guys next time. Peace. Oh, yeet. Yeah.